Good morning, Parkway Church. How are you guys doing today? Good. So glad you are with us. Welcome, Parkway Victoria, Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree. Everybody enjoying the beautiful South Texas Sunday morning at Parkway Online. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Today we're wrapping up the series, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And if you're new with us today, my name is Mike, and I'm really glad you're here because it's my privilege to open the Bible with you. And if you're new with us, let me catch you up on where we've been so far in this series. As a part of our big goal this year of opening the Bible and walking through it chunk by chunk, chapter by chapter, finding a theological thread that runs through all of Scripture, getting to know the major players in the Bible, we've been in a section in Joshua and in Judges, and now today, the book of Ruth. In Joshua, we learned that God said, you could be strong and courageous because I'm the one who gives you strength. And then we saw in the book of Joshua that you got, you got to watch out for sin in the camp because we're responsible for our own sin and mistakes, but it affects the other people around us as well. And that was one of those talks where people said, man, thank you for that. That was one of those talks where people left and were like, hey, I think you were preaching right to me. And here's the secret. In this series, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I'm preaching to the ugly. That would be me. I'm preaching to myself, and you guys are getting to have the overflow of what the Lord's up to in my life and in my family's life. And then last week, Joshua judges. We looked at, at Samson and his story and the failure to learn from the past, that if we're not careful... We will repeat time and time again the painful patterns of our past. And I encouraged you last week to remember that Jesus has defeated your past. And so you don't have to repeat it. When Jesus died on the cross and they laid him in the tomb, and three days later he was raised again from the dead, he defeated your sin, he defeated your past, and he gave you a future that you could walk not in and of yourselves, but instead you could walk by faith. And the one who loves you and gave himself up for you, his name is Jesus Christ. And so now we get to the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth is, it's a a short book, so this is an easy one to talk through in one week. It's a short book, but it's one of the most, like, it's it's one of the richest books in the Bible. Because we're going to get to see some things about relational health between people. We're going to get to see some things about God's faithfulness to people. We're going to get to see some things about God's character. So as we dig into the book of Ruth today, let's take a moment and let's pray together, and then we'll jump right in. Father, thank you for the chance to open your word and to learn together today from the book of Ruth. And God, as we do, may you teach us. May you teach us about your faithfulness. May you teach us about your goodness. And may your goodness and may your grace to us Cause us to be loyal people. When we see your loyal love, Lord, help us to be loyal people too. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you brought your Bible, you can open up with me to Ruth chapter one. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. We've got an outline for you that you can follow along with in the bulletin. Also, if you're smarter than your smartphone, you can go to the Bible app and find us under live events. And we'd love for you to follow along and take notes wherever is best for you. But we start in Ruth chapter one, one through five. In the days when the judges ruled, 
Remember, the judges were those that were the leaders of God's people. There were seasons of obedience and seasons of faithfulness, and there were seasons of, of disobedience, and, and God would free his people with judges and rulers that would lead them. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So you see the scene. A man, his wife, and his two sons, they leave Judah to go live in Moab. Why? Because there's no food in the land. The man's name was, you know, I was a speech major, but doesn't mean I can say Elimelech. Elimelech. Y'all say that, Elimelech. You're a natural. You're a natural. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. That's an easy one because there's a judd named Naomi anyway moving along. Never heard of a country singer named Elimelech. Oh, it's going to be one of those days. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's, his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilon. They were uh, Ephraim. You know, I can't read at all today, apparently. Somebody help me with that one. Ephrodites, look at that. You guys, like you have been to seminary to read words now that your pastor cannot read. They were from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. This is where the story begins to change. Elimelech led his family to Moab so that they wouldn't all die of hunger. But while they were there, he passed away. And she was left with only two sons. And this is important in their day and age because the, the man is the one who carried the prominence in the culture. The man is the one who would pass the family line down. And so they had two sons, so she was safe. She'd be provided for. They would have heirs. And these two sons, they married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other named Ruth. And Ruth, if you circle or underline in your Bible, her name means friendship. And so the, the book of Ruth is all about Ruth's friendship with Naomi. And we're going to see that as we continue to unpack the story. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilon also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And so we pause right there. In, in this culture, being a widow with no sons was a very dangerous place to be. There was no family line to continue. It would stop with them. There was no one to care for her and ensure that she'd be taken care of as she aged. There was no one to provide for her and to guarantee that she would even have anything to eat or to drink or to be taken care of in any way. In our day and age, women can live healthy, independent, strong lives. It wasn't that way in these days. She was in trouble if everyone left her. And sure enough, one of her daughters-in-law left her. Not the one named Ruth, which means friendship. You see, Ruth committed her life to Naomi. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. 
When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So when Ruth says, I'm going back to Bethlehem, I'm going home, the other daughter-in-law heads to her own house, but Ruth says, I'm not going anywhere. Where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. If even death separates us, may I ever so severely be punished. This was a daughter-in-law's commitment to her mother-in-law. Growing up, my dad was always a joke teller. He could tell a joke to a tree, and the tree would laugh. He was good. He had a whole long series of mother-in-law jokes, like the one about rubbing the genie's bottle, and genie comes out and says, how can I help you? And, and the, before the man could speak, the genie says, be careful, because whatever you ask for, I'm going to give to your mother-in-law in double. You know the punchline of that? You, you don't know the punchline of that? Oh, then you're going to think it's funny unless you're a mother-in-law. <laughs> so the, the genie says, what's your first wish? And the man says, I wish to be the best-looking person in the world. And the genie says, remember, I'm going to give to, to your mother-in-law double what you ask for. Yes, I understand. And then he says, what's your second guess? And he says, I want to be the richest man in the world. And the genie says, remember, I'm going to give to you this that you asked for, and I'm going to give to your mother-in-law double. He says, yes, I understand. And then he says, okay, what's your third wish? And the man says, please beat me half to death. <laughs> See, my dad had a whole series of these jokes. And so I grew up in a house where I thought what mother-in-laws were was a punchline. Now, my grandmother passed as I was a child. I never knew her, my mom's mom. And so my dad wasn't picking on his mother-in-law. He was picking on every mother-in-law. And that was really funny until I was driving along in my geo-tracker, newly married to Christy, and I decided to drop one of those mother-in-law jokes that my dad told over the years. And I realized it wasn't all that funny. And then you begin to study the Bible and you see, hey, this mother-in-law thing is no joke. The commitment that we see lived out in relationships is real. The commitment we make with vows and two families becoming one is real. It's no joke. And what we're going to learn from the book of Ruth is not only how to be loyal people, but how loyal God is to us. And so if you're here and you say, you know what, I'm widowed or I'm divorced or I'm single, and you go, how does God's loyalty work for me? You're going to see it in today's passage. It's no joke. His commitment to you, no matter your age, no matter your life stage, is real. And we're going to see it as we study the book of Ruth. One daughter-in-law left, Ruth didn't leave. She'd be forever known for her loyalty. Think about all the things that we desired to be known for. Would loyalty make your top five? Ruth's, whose name means friendship, would forever be known for her loyalty. She would leave everything to show loyalty. She would work hard to live her loyalty. She would do things God's way to show her loyalty 
to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And as you think about your life and as believers in Jesus Christ, today's message is very simple. We should and can be known for our loyalty. If anyone in today's day and age should be known for being loyal, it should be the men and the women, the families, the couples, the sons, the daughters, the students, the children who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ. If anyone in today's day and age is going to be loyal, it should be us. It should be those of us who look at the love of God and have said yes to the grace of God. It should be us who've been forgiven by God's grace, not halfway, but completely. It should be us. And so today, as we look at the book of Ruth, I'm going to suggest a few ways that we should set the standard when it comes to loyalty. Now, we, we know that there's not going to be a book of the Bible written about us and our loyalty. But what you can do with your loyalty is write a story of God on generations to come. What you can do with your loyalty is, is write the story of God on the people around you. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, as recipients of his extreme loyalty, his unmerited loyalty, we can and we should set the example for loyal people today. And the first way we're going to do this is this. First priority is to be loyal to God. Did you remember what Ruth said to Naomi? She said, your God will be my God. It starts there. Our first loyalty isn't to a person, but to the God who created us and who loves us and gave his son for us. Our first loyalty isn't to our children or to our spouse. Our first loyalty is to the Lord who loves us. And the reason that we're loyal to God, and you see this in the book of Ruth and throughout the Old and the New Testament, the reason that we're loyal to God is because he was first loyal to us. The book of Romans says that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved first. There's a Hebrew word, hesed. Hesed's the kind of word that when you say it, it's almost like you should clear a little bit of phlegm while you do it. And so allergy suffers among us. Let's go ahead and say that word too. Hesed. Okay, we're all going to do it now. Let's all play along. Even you sleeping on the back row, let's all play along. One, two, three. Hesed. Oh, see, y'all are just learning so much today. Hesed means Kindness, mercy, loyalty, love, tenderheartedness. It's a covenant-based love. And we see it throughout the book of Ruth, and it's God's commitment, his hesed love. You realize that God is committed to loving you, not because of who you are and what you do, but because of who he is and what he does in the world. This is a covenant love where God says, I keep my commitments. I will always be loyal to you. We've learned through the book of Exodus that God will never leave us nor forsake us. We've learned through our study from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers to Deuteronomy. We've learned throughout our study of scripture this year 
that God is faithful. He is loyal, even when we're not. And he always calls us back to be loyal to him. His Hesed covenant love with us should lead us to be loyal to him. His loyalty is unconditional. And I want you to know that your commitment and loyalty to him can be unconditional as well. Because he is so committed to you, you can be fully committed to him. Listen to what the book of Joshua has to say about being committed to the Lord. Remember, the book of Joshua is all about the people entering into the promised land and and beginning to have military conquest and victory. But the ultimate victory wasn't to, to defeat cities like Jericho, but the ultimate victory was when the people of God submitted their lives to God. And Joshua challenged the people to do this in Joshua 24, verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in the land you were living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What Joshua reminded the people is that serving the Lord and being loyal to him is a decision that we make. And he says, you can serve those that your family served beyond the Euphrates. You can serve those that are in the land we follow today. But in my house, as for me in my house, who are we serving? We're serving the Lord. As for me and myself, who am I serving? I am serving the Lord. I choose to serve the Lord with all of my life. I choose God over the things of my past and the passions of my present. I choose God over the false gods of our day. I choose God over ambitions of the American dream. I choose God over everything that that can grab the attention of my heart and the ambition of my life. I choose God to be the highest and greatest goal for me and my household. I choose to be loyal to God first, always, and forever. Friends, I get the feeling that I'm preaching a little better than you're listening if you're not going nuts after that type of commitment. As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. Friends, have you made that decision to be loyal to God as a believer in Jesus Christ? Where you say, it doesn't matter what my neighbors are doing. It doesn't matter what my family is chasing. It doesn't matter what my past has included. As for me in my house today, we are serving the Lord. Men, fathers, We are counting on you to set the pace and make the choice that says, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Single ladies, equal standing before God, we are counting on you to set the stage of your house and to say, as for me and my house, I am serving the Lord. I choose to be loyal to him. The second way that we can be loyal is to be loyal to people. Ruth said to Naomi, your people will be my people. 
Now, what she was saying is, I'm leaving everything I know and everything I have, the land that I have been raised in, I'm leaving that to go to a foreign country where I will be an alien, where I'm going to have to work in the fields. I am going because your people are my people. Loyalty to people matters. Because when we talk about God's loyalty to us, it's not this theoretical loyalty. It's a loyalty that's lived. It's not just this idea that God is loyal to us. God's loyalty to us is proven by his loyalty to people. So as you think about loyalty, listen to what Proverbs 17, 17 says. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You think Naomi felt supported when she and Ruth went back to her homeland? This time of adversity, she had lost her husband, she had lost her sons, one daughter-in-law was gone. A friend loves at all times, but a brother or a sister is born for adversity. This is an action-based loyalty. Who in your life, and let's get really practical here, who in your life is counting on you being loyal even when times are tough? Who in your life is counting on you to be that one who loves at all times but is born for a time of adversity? I think about mine. I'm called to be a loyal husband because on May 25th, um, yeah, 1996, (laughs) I said yes to my bride, and she said yes to me. And as I said yes to her in her beautiful, radiant, white dress, little did I know how much we would face together in our lives but you know that the commitment I made then still stands today because God has called me to be loyal to her, loyal to people. I've also been called to be a loyal father. And being a loyal father has just as many lessons as being a loyal husband. Remember one time Christy looked at me early in our marriage and it was one of those big loyal husband lessons. She looked at me and she said, when are you going to stop living like a single guy? Meaning, when are you going to stop setting your own schedule? When are you going to stop setting your own priorities? When are you going to include me in on your life? Well, kids are a little different when it comes to loyalty with them. It's not a matter of including them in your life. They're going to include themselves in every part of your life no matter what, right? Wow. Anybody else, kids are like sprinklers. They just come home and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk. I'm really glad my name's not mom. (laughs) But I'm called to be loyal to my kids. And loyalty to my kids, as I see it, is that I, I love them, I train them, I equip them, and then I send them out. Next week, when we pray for those that are graduating, we're gonna pray for my son among the others in the class of 2018. And I am so proud to say he's ready to leave. And I'm so proud that he's leaving. It's going to be great. 
But here's what I know when it comes to being loyal to my kids. Being a loyal dad is never convenient. It's never cheap. It's not on my timetable. It's on theirs. If you're raising preteens and elementary age kids, what you're going to soon learn is that your kids, when they enter into the teen life, they're going to want to have conversations with you when you want to go to sleep. Your bedtime is the time that the vampires who now live in your house wake up. And they want to talk when all you want to do is go to sleep. It's never convenient, but it is so worth it. And we're to be loyal to people in times of adversity. It's easy to say, I love you, son, or I love you, daughter, when things are good and it's a friendship phase in that relationship. But a mother and a father, a brother or sister is born for adversity. Be loyal to your kids. Then another area where, I mean, I don't know what's on your list, but I got three that come to mind very quickly, where I've been called to be loyal to this church family. And loyal to this church family means I teach you the word of God. It means that I love you. It means that I lead you. It means that I'm a part of your community, a part of our family. God has called me to be loyal to this church. Can you guys believe it's been 10 years that I've been your senior pastor now? 10 years. I was young and skinny when I got here. I don't know what happened. Uh, 10 years. And, you know, one of the things that makes it easy to be loyal to you is you are so loving to me and to my family. And you are so loving to the Lord and to our mission together. But as I look at my loyalty list, God, Christy, the kids, and all you people, who's on your loyalty list? Who's counting on you to be loyal to them because God has been loyal to you? Third way, that we're loyal, and we're getting to the last point, and you're like, how can we get to the last point already? Well, you're in luck today. The talk is short. Maybe. Third way that we can be loyal is to be loyal to our commitments. Ruth says, even if death separates you and me, may I, may I be ever so severely punished. You know, my mom is struggling with Alzheimer's, and she doesn't know what is happening in her day anymore. But there is a lady who comes to visit her every, like, I think every day. She comes and she cares for my mom. She brushes her hair. She cuts her hair when it gets too long. She brings her special treats and takes good care of her. And that lady is my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law goes and cares for my mom while her husband travels and her brother-in-law works in South Texas and her sister-in-law lives four hours away. She goes and lives the commitment she made to my brother by loving my mother. And it impresses me so much. And we are so grateful for her because we are loyal to our commitments. As you think about being loyal to your commitments, some would say, hey, I don't have to be loyal to my commitments because I'm kind of a fun person. 
Mike, you might run off a schedule with commitments, but I'm kind of fun. I'm kind of spontaneous. I don't write things down. I pencil things in. Let me just tell you, when it comes to keeping our commitments, that's not an issue of personality style. That's an issue of character. Because we look and we see the loyalty of God first to us, then it extends to people around us through us. And it requires that we're loyal to our commitments. The commitments I made yesterday, I keep today. And it's a simple process, according to Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago. He's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's like reframing the law from the past. And he says, again, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you've made. And the reason that commitment to our commitments is a character issue, not a personality style, is because the vows have been made to the Lord. That's a character issue. But Jesus says, but I tell you, don't swear on an oath at all, either by heaven or by God's throne or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. What Jesus is trying to teach us here is that when we make a commitment, if we have to swear by it, we don't intend to keep it. I swear I'll do it this time. No, you won't. I commit to, to my mama's grave. Your mama's still alive. I make this commitment with everything that I've got. I will do it. Jesus says we don't make those kind of commitments as his followers. Because those commitments are empty commitments that we will not be loyal to. But instead, we simply say yes or we simply say no. Let your yes be yes or your no be no. If you don't intend to follow through, don't swear by your head or Jerusalem. Don't swear by the heavens or the earth. Don't swear by anything. Just say no. And if you plan on following through, just say yes. It seems so simple that we are to be loyal to our commitments, not based on our swearing, not based on our promising, not based on the feeling we get by saying, yes, I'll help, and not intending to, but instead, we keep our commitments by saying yes or by saying no. Studies have been done, and this is very interesting to me. Studies have been done to see how people follow through with their commitments. And there's this study that shows that if people say more than yes, then they are less likely to follow through with their commitments. Perhaps if I told you that, that, that we were facing a family challenge, and with your kind heart, you came up in the atrium later, or you text or emailed later from Port Lavaca or the tree or online, and you came up and you said, you know, Mike, I'm here to help in any way you need. In fact, I'm going to come mow your yard this weekend. You know what? Studies show that you're not going to come mow my yard this weekend. You know why? Because the only reason you said you were going to mow my yard this weekend is because that made you feel good. 
Now, that's the study saying, not me, so be nice to me. When you say, I will or I should, what you're doing in that moment beyond your yes is making yourself feel good. That's what the studies show. But people instead who say, Mike, I know that you need help. I know that I can help you. So I will come help because you need help. The difference is the why behind the yes. The difference is the why behind the commitment in that moment. When we realize that we are to be loyal to our commitments because they're made to God, not just before men and women, then we stop with the, the, the niceness of Southern hospitality. Ah, shoot, I should help. I can help. I'm going to help. You're not going to help. You're not going to help. I'm not going to help. I mean, hey, I'm the chief of sinners when it comes to this, okay? So I'm not throwing stones because I live in a glass house on this one. But here's the reality. When you truly want to keep your commitments to others, you remember why you said yes. And you remember why you said no. Because then you will follow through and let your yes be yes and your no be no. So what do we take away from today? As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. What do we take away from the day? Your people will be my people. You have been given relationships. You have been given a spirit of influence so that you can be loyal to people. What do we take away? I'm gonna let my yes be my yes and my no be my no. I'm not gonna be flowery and fake, yes or no. I'm not gonna have good intentions that never are followed through with. The difference between an intention and an action is your motivation. So I am going to let my yes be yes and my no be no. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make my commitments and be loyal to them. So in this series, we've seen the good, we've seen the bad, and we've seen the ugly in ourselves and in the world around us. But we've always seen the goodness and the, the, the goodness, the goodness. See, if my children were here with me, they'd be picking on me big time. So that's why I had to pick on myself. Around my dinner table, I'll mispronounce some words sometimes. And then everybody just goes off. It's brutal. Brutal. Anyway, sorry, I just was goodness. We've seen the goodness of God in every situation. Was God good? To Joshua when he said, you can lead the people. Yes, he was. Was God good to the people of Israel as he called Achan on his sin? Yes, he was. Was God good even to Samson by allowing him to deliver his people even through failure? Yes, he was. And was God good to Ruth? Was God good to Naomi? You keep reading the story of Ruth and Naomi, and you see that God provided a son God provided a legacy. God provided a way for the women to be secure in every measure because our God is good. And today I ask you to turn to his goodness and be loyal to him and be loyal to people and be loyal to your commitments because he is loyal to you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word and to be together today. And God, I pray that you will help us to be loyal because you've been loyal to us. 
that Hesed love, God, that loyalty that starts with you and extends to us. God, help us to be loyal. God, I pray for families throughout our church that today they would choose to serve you and nothing else. Pray that they would serve to follow you and no one else. God, I pray that we'd be loyal to the people around us who desperately need us to be loyal. God, I pray that we would be people who are loyal to our commitments, that loyalty without sacrifice is empty, Lord. Help us to be loyal to our commitments. For those that haven't believed in Jesus yet, if you're here today, you've heard a great reminder of the goodness of God and the loyalty that God has for you. But the ultimate loyalty was displayed by Jesus as he went to the cross and paid the price for our sins. The Bible says that you're a sinner who needs a savior and that Jesus is the savior in the Lord. And he invites you to believe and to find life in him. So today's your day to believe, to say yes to the loyalty of God. Let's pray together. You can pray, Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 